and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's your favorite Mexican-American Gemini from South Texas. It's Chibi. And she's the lipstick-loving Salvadorican from Brooklyn, New York. It's Rocky. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Write Art Out. Yo, Rocky. Hi. I feel like it's been it's a so while since I've your face. <laughs> it has. It's so good to have you back. You were on vacation last week. I'm a little jealous, but also that's kind of crazy. <laughs> How yeah, was it? I feel like it's been, oh man, it was, it was well needed. Definitely needed it. Um, it, I feel sometimes a little, I felt, I feel a little guilty saying this week that like, I went on vacation cause we were like, it's still a pandemic. And I'm like, I know, I know, but I'm, I'm halfway vaccinated. Right. Um, mm. and I made sure mm. that, you know, I took the extra precaution. Yeah. I, know. I took the extra precautions, um, for, for this. And I definitely wanted to make sure that, um, where I was going were very like COVID conscious places mm, too. Mm. So it was Florida. So it was Disney World. Disney World <laughs> Disney World in itself was like, I don't want to get sued. So we're gonna be super thorough. Okay. And okay. Florida, and then outside of Florida. <laughs> outside was, of Disney World. Outside, yes. Outside of Disney World. Yes. It was uh definitely Florida showed its colors. <laughs> I was gonna say the words Florida and COVID conscious don't typically belong in the same set or have not in the past year gone in the same sentence together. Not, no, not to hate on Florida, but I think Florida very much, I mean, I'll, I'll call my state out very much like Texas was like, y'all do you. Okay. <laughs> Mask up if you want. And if you don't, that's your freedom, man. Uh, so. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, I feel like I, I'm still knocking, like I've been knocking quite a lot like blessing myself like ah, my ancestors are probably just like looking at me like that. I'm like I'm sorry it was busy. <laughs> um but it, it was funny because I went with a friend and um the joke was is like when we went outside of Disney World right um we were walking around Florida we're like oh we're definitely one dose confident right now like we are out here just like this one dose confident <laughs> Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Clarity in the comments says it is their freedom, and she's so pretty. Oh, Rocky got that wing liner going on today. I love it. Um, I I love what you just said. That one dose confidence, where it's kind of like I'm a little like I'm partially vaccinated. I feel a little more confident to be out in the world, but also stay back. Yes, you know. <laughs> um, it definitely, um, definitely was carrying hand sanitizer and Lysol, um, but yes. But I know I'm only I'm actually gonna get my second dose this Saturday. So, but you are fully vaccinated. Double dosed, okay. Double <laughs> dosed, uh, and I can't. I can. I can definitely say it's. It definitely has brought the anxiety down more than anything. Um, we haven't really changed anything that we're doing over here um, at all. Like we still are not going out to places. I think mm -hmm. we're, we're going to go get crawfish tomorrow. And that's the first time we're going to go out to eat somewhere in over a year. But even then I feel like we're going to like grab our crawfish and then like run as far away from everyone as possible. Like 
we're not going out. Uh, if we have friends over, it's still back patio, you know, mm-hmm. outdoors. Um, but it has definitely lowered the anxiety and uh, has allowed us, like my parents who are in their more mature ages, yeah. uh, you know, need need help around the house and things like that. So we feel more confident, like going and spending time with them um, and things like that because they're also vaccinated. So it's like, okay, we're now in a safe bubble. Uh, and it's just one of those things where like the anxiety goes down and then it also allows us to start to do things that feel like they're normal, even if we're still wearing masks and like doing all sorts of things. But like the whole getting vaccinated thing is such an important part, especially for people that, you know, do like their living depends on them being in front of other people, being around other people. Um, Cause the pandemic has really taken a toll on the performing artist. Uh, segment of society for lack of a better term right and so like these vaccines like need to we need to start handing out vaccines like dollar bills at a strip club okay just like everywhere i know over here in new york they just allowed um the 16 and above this week for everyone to get you know 16 and above can get vaccinated and i was looking at i think it was tiktok where it's just like these because of the the level before it was 30 year olds and up right Mm. and so all these like young 20 year olds were or like 28 year olds and 29 year olds were like oh look at me i was in the 16 and plus category (laughs) (laughs) so youthful right (laughs) so glad that people are getting vaccinated um you know i think everybody has some you know initial um hesitation around it but it's a, it's a step to getting normal. And especially for those who were affected by it with their, their work Mm -hmm. and their performance wise. So, yeah. And for everybody that's watching in the chat, like, I mean, we're not going to open a political, you know, commentary on the pros and cons of vaccines, but if you've been vaccinated, celebrate that shit. We want to know. We got somebody from Detroit, some from Kentucky, from Washington, like, just let us know what your life is going on. Um, but I, uh, I don't know if he's been vaccinated or not, but our guest today definitely um, makes his living off of touring, off of performing, off of being in front of crowds. Uh, he is one of the most, uh, one of the, the most booked spoken word artists out there, if not the most booked spoken word artist out there. Uh, tell us about our guest. I can't wait to get into this conversation. Sure. Okay. So, you know, we were talking about Florida. So Florida represent because Pensacola. (laughs) So Asia Sampson is a professional spoken word artist from Florida and has toured over a thousand colleges, a thousand, not a hundred, not 10, a thousand colleges across the country since 2006. He's been seen on HBO Deaf Poetry Jam. TED Talks, Button Poetry, NPR's Tiny Desk Contest, and so uh, far sounds. He has worked with companies like Disney to write Love on Her Arms, and most recently, Nokia Mobile. So can we please, please have a nice word and shit warm welcome for Asia? Asia Samson up in the house! Uh, <laughs> hi, guys. I am vaccinated, by the way. One, hey, one. I mine hi. is next. My second is next Thursday. Okay. So, Are you often yeah. feeling that one dose confidence? Like, ooh. I mean, yeah. You know what, though? Here's the thing. I've sort of been confident since day one because my wife works in the ER, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
So, I mean, she's around it like all the time. And so, but so we know how to kind of keep our things on lock. Like we had, we had a whole like, you know, desanitizing station in the garage when she would mm -hmm. come home from work, she would, you know, no. And so being around people like that. And, you know, when you're around people like that, who, I mean, all of her friends and are in the medical field, they'll give, you know, they'll tell me like, okay, you know, they didn't know a lot about the virus when this thing first came out. So uh, there was a lot of like spray everything and, you know, and then after we learned some more, it's like, okay, you can calm down on that stuff. Just make sure you mm -hmm. wash your hands, wear a mask. And, you know, it's not really as crazy, like as, as far as what everyone's making it out to be, but you still have to be very diligent, right? It's just that, yeah. you know, you don't have to go to the extremes and totally disrupt your lives. And, you know, um, I, I kind of, yeah. I've kind of liked it, man. I've been thriving. I've been yeah. thriving. Yeah. And that, that is, that has been kind of like the, the, the state of mind that we've been in too, where like, uh, uh, I think a couple of months ago, my husband, who's all, who's a nurse, was like, "I don't know. We've just been so lucky so far. I'm really nervous." I'm like, "No, honey, we have not been lucky. We've yeah. been diligent. Okay, yeah. we've yeah. been doing what we need to be doing. Luck has nothing to do with it. We are just following protocols. We're sanitizing, all that fun stuff. So, like, just, as long as we keep that up, we're good." I, I mean, it just, I just cannot wrap. I mean, okay, I know we're just going off subject, but I just cannot wrap my mind around how. There is so much debate over the most petty stuff in this country, right? Like, okay, I mean, God, just wear a mask. I don't even see why that's a big deal. And then the school shooting happened and everybody's more worried or a mass shooting is happening and people are more worried about their guns being taken away. Like, I yeah. just do not understand. Like, what is this power that you want to hold on to so badly, right? Like, and, I don't know. Yeah, and you it's know? not only just like in these red states too, like, just literally two days ago at the Barclays Center here in um, in Brooklyn was a huge stage protest of like not wearing a mask and um, kind of protesting against these vaccine passports. So it's it's everywhere, right? And it's, it's, it's like, just, yeah. <laughs> I was just watching on that where it's like vaccine pass. Like we already do this. Your child cannot enter elementary school unless they're vaccinated. You yeah. cannot travel to another country if you don't have proof of vaccination. Like it already it already exists. Why are yeah. you upset? I mean, this is, this, this is literally the, the freest country in the world, right? But with freedom comes responsibility and not everybody knows how to use that properly. Like, and that's my thing. Mm. Like, mm. we're so blessed to be in a country where, yeah, we're free to do whatever we want. But at the same time, we're also cursed because we're a country that can do whatever it wants. And so it's one of those things, man. Like, they need to watch Spider-Man more often. <laughs> 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 I totally, totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Right. Um, but you know what? We I know that we're like should be like we're not going to talk about politics, but it's it is what it is, right? Correct. I mean, it is what it is. Don't get me started on all this Asian stuff right now. Like, don't let me don't let me get started on that either. So. I mean, we may we may dive into it. Who knows? <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> Before we start with that, we, before we start with that, we, we definitely always start our segment with, um, you know, with our poet, you're coming in, you're going to talk to us with these very intimate details, not only about your poetry, but your, your life as well. And, you know, you're friends with us, at least with Chibi, and I've also known you through Southern Fry too. Right. So I like to always start off with asking this question, how's your heart, friends? Like, how's your heart this week, this, this today, this month, this year? Just how, let's do a little check-in. Oh man, um, yeah, so for the last couple of weeks, 
um, it has just been a blessing. Like I have always have these waves, right? So for a minute, like poetry wasn't really, I wasn't really doing the poetry thing. I mean, not, I can't step away from it. I had shows, but it was more so that, you know, it was kind of, there was a lull, especially during like winter break and stuff. And mm -hmm. so like during that time, I was getting a lot of design clients. So I was doing a lot of free, freelance design, which is something that, you know, I really didn't like, I don't really like doing design anymore, but I, I know I'm good at it, right? So mm -hmm. I took them on. And so, you know, I was getting a lot. But then the last month or so, there's this humongous like poetry stuff that's just been coming. Like, you know, this is added to one of those things where all of a sudden people are calling me like, hey, you want to come on our show? Hey, you want to come do this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and right now in this very, like, what time is it? Yeah. At this very moment, I'm here, right? But they're showing one of my videos on this thing called the um, Entrepreneur's Organization. It's an organization that um, the CEO of Netflix is a part of. And uh yeah, so they're showing my COVID poem and they gave me the login to log in and check it out and you know so that I can see what other people are seeing but I'm like, well, I'm doing this already. So my manager is over there kind of um fielding it, seeing what people are saying, you know, kind of getting comments or whatever because they won't they're not going to know whether I'm there or not anyway cuz yeah. I'm not part of it thing. But <laughs> you know, I'm hoping that it'll lead to stuff. And there's another big thing that's happening right now that I have to stay up till 4 a.m. to write because I was commissioned to write a poem that's due by Monday. And so I was up till 4 recording it and like doing the video of it and everything. Um, I can't this I can't tell you the details of it because of NDA and stuff. But um, the word. yeah, it's pretty it's pretty big. So, um, yeah, like so also all this poetry stuff is showing up. So I'm like, OK, all right. Follow the flow and just. Let it take you. So it's been good. I've been feeling great. I've been feeling more hopeful than I have in a while. Not to say that I'm never hopeful, but you know, I'm feeling pretty hopeful. Oh wow, oh, that's good. And everything that I've heard, I don't know how much you you put into uh, astrology and horoscopes and things like that. But everything I've heard is that you know April is the month of abundance. This this season is an abundant oh, month. So. so like, just let it come. Let it come. All right. We just got out of Pisces season. There's a lot of emotions happening, and now abundance is on its way. That's I just what, so. what, what the cards have said. But, um, yeah, I, I'm actually a Pisces season. <laughs> so the whole entire season, I was like, it's Pisces season. And I think Tibby's just been tired of it. <laughs> We're in Aries season now, okay? Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, when is Aquarius? I'm, I'm an Aquarius. So, you know, I don't know what that means. I really don't you, follow. You missed it. It was mid-January to mid-February. Yes, my I husband's know. in Aquarius. I mean, I know. <laughs> my <laughs> husband's in Aquarius. We're very well acquainted with Aquariuses <laughs> up in this house. <laughs> nice. Uh, That's awesome. I love it. Well, let's get it. Uh, we like to do this segment at the top of the show after checking in uh, so that the audience can get to know you a little bit better if they don't already. And it's called speed dating. Um, so we're going to ask you a series of questions. Feel free to answer them as concisely or as in-depth as you feel is necessary to answer the question. Okay? All right. So, first question. Best, what is the best poetry slam team you've ever been on? Oh, that I've ever been on? Um, yeah. Last year, uh, 2019, because we, we took third in Southern Fried. And really, the high, but it didn't matter if we won Southern Pride. It was the fact that I met Chibi. Like, <laughs> what an experience that was. God, I was like, this guy who, like, has piercings under his <laughs> mouth, like. Thank you, everybody, for coming to our show. Right, well 
no. Um, well, yeah, I, I say that. I mean, the close second would be Minora team um, because we had won with Southern Fried back in 2006. Um, but 2019, just because it was Tessica's last year, mm. you know, it was the last time, it were her last biggest slam, and then she passed away like months later. So being on that team was just fun because we were, we were, we had rookies and we had vets. And so the rookies just had a great time. Um, and then I was able, we were able to bring back a title to the city, which they haven't sent a slam team since 2004. So the fact that we were able to bring a, a, a championship back here um, is pretty awesome. So to me, that was my favorite right now. Cool. Okay. Burn beatable. It was, it was, it was a lit team. We were, we were in about together. Like I know y'all were fire. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Oh, damn. All right. Okay, so my next question. So for those who do not follow you, you post a lot about your son. And I, I think right now I'm just like, I love when we have where poets come in and they talk about their family. So please tell me your favorite thing about your son. My Okay, so I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you know, we, we had a lot of, and you're going to hear it in, probably in my poetry later. I'm just going to tell you a story of how I got to, you know, how we got to him. But we were not even going to have, we didn't think we could have kids. And we've tried since then after him, and we still haven't been able to. So he's an only child. Um, there were some things about him that, you know, that popped up. Uh, like he has ADHD. He has, he was born with neurofibromatosis, that type of stuff. Um, so every day is like an adventure, man. But he's, he's free spirited that way. But he's also very sensitive, right? And so that's my favorite. But it's, it can also be um, the thing that makes, that like frustrates us a lot, you know, because, uh, you know, we, my wife and I were just literally last night talking about like, my God, because he'll get so emotional over stuff that are not even a big deal. Like he'll really fixate on it. Um, and we, it's hard to like, you know, kind of harness those things. So, yeah. So um, my favorite thing about him is that he is, he has that personality, like my hands down, you know, but it takes a lot of patience. It's, mm -hmm. it's taken a lot of patience, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it's sad because he'll come home and he'll say like, you know, uh, no one wanted to play with me at school. They said I was annoying. And that's because he's hyperactive. He's hyperactive. I know it, you know? And so that, you know, breaks my heart because it's like you're trying to make friends and everyone else is, who doesn't understand what you're going through is yeah. kind of annoyed by you. And, you know, and so it breaks my heart. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? You'll grow. You'll grow into your own. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I just, I, you know, you, 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 you'll be special, man. And that usually produces some of the most brilliant people. Anyway. It really does. It really yeah. does. And, you know, that's the thing I would, we were talking about, like, hey, look, it's like this right now. But, you know, some of these guys who are, you know, who do have ADHD and everything, like that, when they get fixated on something and, and he'll find that, like, there's no stopping the guy. So I think that's one of my favorite things, is, you know, about him is that he is who he is. You know, so I, I heard a podcast, and this will blow your mind. Like he said, uh, you need to grieve the child that you wanted and start embracing the child you have. Wow. Yeah. Got me too. What do you mean you don't know why? It's because you're a Pisces, you and your emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't have kids. Yeah. You have you have to grieve the child you wanted and start embracing the child you have. That's so valid. That is so valid. That by itself. That's it. <sighs> send tweet that's it uh-huh well thank you so much for coming to our right, show that's it. That yeah, was <laughs>
Wait, let's do that all night. Okay, next question. Next question. Um, you know, uh, we found out a couple of times when when I was in Florida, you took me to eat at a couple of places. Uh, yeah, you were like food. the opposite of vegetarian. I remember. I'm like the complete opposite of vegetarian. Uh, <laughs> food, food. So my question, I ask this to everybody. This is my favorite question to ask. Uh, and some people have a very straightforward answer. Some people can't make a decision. What is your favorite dish? Oh, man. Um, yeah, ribeye steak with... Oh. Dude, that's easy for me, man. Ribeye steak with, like, potatoes and, like, just... Yeah, like, that would be... Like, if, if we're talking dish, one dish, or you're talking about a meal? But like, we, a, yeah, like a, like a, a dish. Yeah, yeah. Like... No, that like could be considered like, like steak and potatoes, right? That's a that's a dish. That's a dish, but are we talking? See, this is when my bougie comes out, right? Oh. Are we talking courses? Because <laughs> I have that planned out, right? It, it, it can be court. We had somebody say my favorite dish is all appetizers, like like, like yeah, whatever. Like, like listen, we're gonna start with like you know like uh, like firecracker shrimp, right? Start oh. off with something like that. Then maybe like. Uh, blue wedge salad, um, blue blue cheese wedge salad for like to to begin your yeah you, yeah you wouldn't know it's blue cheese on on lettuce basically. <laughs> then you know ribeye ribeye with hot, with a with a baked potato and mm. simple as that right or or like potatoes au gratin some sort of potatoes and mm. maybe like some some something green at least right, mm. um, and then but you pair that with like an old fashioned cocktail. Mm. Right? Yeah. Mm. We're and then you finish. I'm telling you. And then you finish with like, with like a cheesecake, mm. with like um, with like a with like a cordial, like a coffee with Bailey's or something. Mm. That's that's my that that would be my like. All right, I'm dying tomorrow, so I'm gonna eat tonight. But I also wow. like simple shit. I like simple stuff. I like uh, <laughs> Filipino food. You know, like I love Filipino food, and so I'll eat that like on a daily. It's fine. But Bam. that that is a meal. And on that note, uh, thank you for coming. I'm going to Ruth Chris's. Good night. <laughs> for real. <laughs> for real. Can we go? Let's let's rock, man. I'm so down for a cruise. Uh, I feel like Ruth I missed Chris an right opportunity. Now. I shouldn't have gone to Disney. I should have just gone to your house. Just like hello. <laughs> well, I'm going to Dis I'm going to Disney tomorrow. Hey, Whoa. for work or for pleasure? For, yeah, we're surprising Eris and a couple of other kids. They don't know we're all going, so. We're all yeah. going to Disney tomorrow. Should be interesting. It's, so expensive. It's actually pretty good. It's good. It, no, we've been. I mean, we're from Florida. We've been. <laughs> it's just, it's gonna get you know. So it's so expensive, man. And they get you like, they, like okay, you know, you start buying stuff that in the regular world you would never buy, but they put some in the water over there, man. Yeah, like, they do. You know, a little pixie dust. <laughs> yeah, and then you come home with all these knickknacks. Like, why did I buy this? You know, like. Eh. Mm. But yeah, we're going to watch. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. All right. So this is going to be our last question. Um, so what words or I guess mantras do you try to live by? Oh, um, yeah. So uh, words and mantras I live by. There's a few. Um, but the, only, the one that I think uh, that strikes out, strikes out to me the most right now um that i use constantly all the time is uh it's actually a bible phrase um which especially nowadays um and you know it's uh i actually have it stamped on one of these um it's uh john 16 33 which is uh in this world you will have trouble but take heart for i've overcome the world so i think about that a lot 
especially now because it's, it's, you know, and I'm not a religious, super religious, like Bible toting, quoting guy. I'm not. It's just that that really just sticks out to me a lot, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. for hope. And, you know, you have to be- I have to try to believe that there's a bigger pro- power out there. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I just fall into despair. Like, <laughs> this is how messed up it is. And then we die and just nothing <laughs> happens. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I could live like that, man. But yeah. yeah. I'm, I've, I feel that. And, you know, the, the Bible, for all the evil ways that it's used, uh, is actually, yeah. like, full of really, really good, you know, like, things to live by, right? And I, and I look at it like that, man. I don't sit there and be like, oh, you did this. Well, you know, we got to put a stake in your eye. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think in that sense, right? Like, I just look at it as, what's the lesson? Like, all right, mm-hmm. like I can't I can't prove that Noah actually brought all these animals onto one arc of two of each of every single animal in the world. Right? Like okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're called what, parables for a reason. <laughs> yeah, like what what's but what's the what what are we what are we supposed to get from it, right? Like that's the thing. And that's how yeah. I always look at it. The spirit of the Bible and not necessarily the words. Yeah. Kind of like how I look at slam poetry sometimes. Hey. <laughs> Have you heard of the Jefferson Bible? I'm curious. No. So no. Thomas Jefferson went through the Bible. He basically went through the Gospels and took everything that Jesus did, but cut out whatever like was divine or holy or miracle, like just like the acts that the human Jesus did and put that together. And it's like this just book about an amazing man, you know, yeah. and how he lived his life and how he taught others to live their lives. You know, it's completely devoid of the spiritual aspect of it and more about like, you know, just be a good person. Yeah, Um, that's really it. That's really all. I just, just, just don't be a, you know what I mean? Don't don't be a dick, right? Like, just be kind. Just be kind. Look look it up. The Jefferson Bible. (laughs) Dope. I will look it up. Chibi always provides all these gems. I went to college and shit. (laughs) All right. I think that's basically our last um, our last question. So thank you so much for um, definitely coming in and just doing this uh, speed dating portion with us. Um, so I think we can go straight into your feature. So before that, cool. audience, please use your the comic sen- uh, comment section. Um, definitely, if you hear something that you like, just kind of give your little virtual snaps or claps. Say, oh my god, that was amazing! Oh my god, I got pregnant by that poet. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you just <got> virtually. <laughs> I don't know. People just like be writing random stuff. So go ahead, write what you've been like saying. Um, yeah, enjoy the feature, and then we'll be right back. So think back to when you were a child, and try to remember what you wanted to be when you grew up. You remember? Cool. Wonder what I wanted to be? I wanted to be a heart surgeon slash architect slash painter slash ninja. Like, that's a thing. Think about it. I would design and build a hospital where I worked, saving lives by day while assassinating them by night. Only the bad guys, obviously. Okay, fine, mostly. Then use the blood of those I've slain to paint beautiful landscapes on my porch every Sunday. Okay, that's disturbing, but it's totally doable. And I kept believing that until Maya 
a second grader, punched me in my third grade stomach, and I let out such a loud scream, I realized I would make the most horrible ninja ever, but that's okay, because I could still be a heart surgeon slash architect slash painter. And I kept believing that until Mrs. Mercutio, my high school counselor, told me my grades were as low as my parents' income, so I better think of something else besides med school to this day. I wonder if she's still there flicking off the light switch inside our children to keep them from being brilliant, but that's okay. Because I could still be an architect slash painter, and I kept believing that until my father, who's an architect, said it's really hard to find a job as an architect, wait, no, until they said artists will always starve, wait, no, until be realistic, until find stability, until, until, until I had no slashes left to keep tabs of all of my dreams. As children, we transformed blankets into tents and explored the safaris of our bedrooms by flashlight. We wore goggles and snorkels in the bathtub, believing this was an ocean filled with wonders and sea creatures we will discover when we dive. We tied towels around our necks and flew off the coffee table, pointing to the spot where we needed to land to break our record. We drew pictures of ourselves, the astronauts slash teachers, the ballet dancers slash rock stars. I kept mine at the bottom of my drawer for safekeeping, only to find them last week, hidden beneath mortgage papers and credit card statements and the work badge I used to enter the building of a job I never wanted. How much further was I willing to bury who I was meant to become just to live a life that's steady? How long have I muffled the voices of those drawings when they tried to tell me steady? It's just a word we like to use anytime someone asks, how's your life? And we're too ashamed to give the actual answer. In 2006, my doctor looked me in the eyes and told me I had testicular cancer, to which I replied, yay. Sounds like a ball. He didn't laugh. Instead, he says, you understand that after we remove one testicle, you'll only have one testicle left. And I said, okay, well, then I'll just change my name to one hung low because I'm Asian. Still nothing. Instead, he says, you might not be able to have children after this. You might want to consider having your sperm frozen before the surgery. And I said, great. I will never look at frozen yogurt the same way ever again. He didn't think any of my jokes were funny, but how could you not find them funny? You're talking about me, the guy who once had dreams of doing ambitious things and is now teaching telemarketing to students and retired bankers, the guy who was taught that being a man meant being fully equipped, and now you want to come snip, snip, and separate the Wonder Twins, the guy who will later tell his friends, and they'll respond by texting him a picture of a wonton saying, hey, don't worry, we found you a replacement, the guy who's already so skinny that those automatic doors at the grocery store can't detect me and I have to wave my arms and jump like a madman until it opens. And now you're saying I may have to go through chemo, which will make me skinnier than I already am. Damn, how is that not hilarious? Yeah, you might not find that funny, but I can guarantee you that whoever's piloting my fate decided to raid the minibar, lock the cockpit doors, and is hysterically pissing their pants by now. Have you ever wondered why maniacal laughter is never included in the stages of grief? Maybe because it doesn't last that long. Maybe it's just a parenthesis, nestled between denial and anger, hold the grin between my clenched teeth long enough to get the hell out of his office so I can cry on the shoulders of my car seat. How did I get here? I've never been one to go rogue and write my life past the margins. I once made billboards of my milestones and staggered them along my road to success. And now I'm wondering at what point did I lose the concrete beneath my steps? Maybe it's when my parents took that first flying exit out of their marriage. Maybe it's when I took that detour out of college, thinking there had to be a faster way, only to find myself going in circles until the student loan light started blinking. Maybe I got tired of running on empty. Maybe it's why I took that desk job that promised me my own corner office. Maybe 
I couldn't tell if it was the tie or the slow death strangling my neck, working long hours, paying for a degree I never got. Maybe that's what led to this. Laying on the hospital bed, my eyes towards the God I was told was a God of promise asking, are you laughing yet? Do you not see this? The heavy-handed nurse pushing the needle in and out of my skin, failing to find the vein for the IV. The machines beeping like an SOS distress signal, like maybe this is it for me. The rock bottom ending to a life spent falling. How funny that the last words I'll ever hear is a doctor saying he'll do his best to make the scar as minimal as possible, as if my prayers resided on that. I don't remember anything after. I just remember the fade to black. But I do remember this. Just before the darkness engulfed me like a confession booth, just before the anesthesia grabbed me by the veins to drag me to my sleep, I heard my voice say, don't you see? This is your out. Because how can you ask to be molded into the person you're meant to be and then question how it's being done now? And when I woke up, I found myself here sitting on the stage, performing a poem where I get to say, I'm now 16 years cancer free. I got a sexy battle scar slash beneath my belly. Oh, and remember what they said about me not being able to have children? Well, I should also mention, I now have a son much more perfect than any poem that can come from me. My son, who hides fruit snacks in the crevices of the couch and eats them again two days later. My son, who has this weird thing about placing stickers over his nipples. My son, who gets to pick out a book for us to read before he goes to bed and eventually figured out that the long the book, the longer he gets to stay up. No, I will not read you the entire Twilight trilogy. Now put that back in daddy's, I mean, mommy's drawer before you ruin it. My son who, all right, real quick story. So my son's seven years old, right? So obviously he like is potty trained now and everything, but he's not at that age yet where he can like wipe himself. So we still kind of do it for him. And the other day, this dude was on the toilet doing his business. And when he finished, I kid you not, this kid yells out, Alexa, I'm done. I'm like, no, dude, Alexa doesn't do that. My son, who manages to leave Legos on the floor in the exact same spot I'll be walking in the middle of the night. So when the top of those Antichrist toys meets the bottom of my holy foot, I have to hold my mouth to silence the screams because if I wake him, he won't go back to sleep for the rest of my life. If you think I'm overreacting, let me ask you, have you ever stepped barefoot on Legos? Trust me. It hurts a lot more than having a testicle removed, but I still let him have them because every time we put a new Lego set together, he immediately takes it apart and rearranges all the pieces. And when I tell him that's not how it looks in the picture, he replies by saying, it's okay. This way is better. Sometimes fate has a way of dismantling our lives to tell us it's okay. This way is better. May we all be rearranged and rebuilt like that. May the billboards of our plans be shredded by the wind. So I'll ask you again. Think back to when you were a child and the answer you gave when someone asked what you wanted to be when you grew up. Think of how quick those answers came, held together by slashes before the world tried tearing them apart. Yeah, we may no longer want what we wanted back then, but it doesn't mean our hearts are meant to settle for something we don't want now because somewhere you're six years old, still filling in the blanks of all the things you've ever wanted to be. You, the could-be firefighter slash veterinarian. You, the could-be superhero slash fashion designer. You, the could-be master chef slash PlayStation gold medalist. You, the wide-eyed wanderers with your gaze towards the horizon. You, with the impossible Possible mountains to climb, do it for the gram, bring your slash back, place them between everything that makes up who you are, whoever that might be, claim the amazing you've become and drop all the which no longer fits you. Me, I'm Asia Samson, writer slash performer slash cancer survivor slash husband slash father slash professional napper. No, I never became an architect, but I found much more joy in building people up. No, I never became a heart surgeon, but I try to write poems that cut through the chest and get to what's broken. And no, I never became a ninja. 
actually, that's not true. I'm totally a ninja. I'm like the most awesome ninja fighting my best fight when the darkness comes. So tell the world to keep an eye out because somewhere I'll be lurking, waiting for the perfect moment to strike. And when I do, I promise you will never see me coming. So yeah, perfect timing. Cause I think my, oh look, my son just got home. He's like right there. Uh, we're just performing and uh, you know, I'm gonna do a couple more poems for y'all to kind of tell the story of the journey that I've had um, with testicular cancer and having my kid. And you wanna come say hi, come over here. He just got back from Taekwondo. So he wants, he likes to come and say hi. So say hi to everyone. Hi. See, there he is. Okay, bye now. All right, so. <laughs> Getting to my kid, man, it, is, you know, it wasn't easy. Uh, we, we definitely had a lot of challenges. And this is the poem that I had written. Um, after my cancer, we were able to get pregnant. And you know, they said we weren't going to get pregnant because of testicular cancer. Uh, we did manage to get pregnant the first time. And this is kind of the story of that. And uh, I don't want to take too much time explaining. So we'll just, we'll just do the poem. The shower has been running for over an hour. When I find her, she is sitting cross-legged at the far end of the bathtub and without looking up, she says, the blood has finally slowed down. These were the first words she's spoken since the hospital. I'm sure she's been waiting to speak until now, at least here with the water streaming down her face. There's no way for me to tell if she's been crying. She says, remind me tomorrow to cancel the baby registry. What am I supposed to say? I'm supposed to be good with words, but right now there's a bright pink river snaking its way towards the drain and I can't get my tongue to paddle us upstream back into her womb where we left our happiness yesterday. I read the story of a 12-year-old boy locked for two years in the bathroom, the light switch covered with duct tape to keep him from turning on the lights when they found him. He was too weak to climb out of the bathtub on his own. Before that, I read the story of a three-year-old child hung upside down and beaten with a frying pan that left to die on the floor while his parents fucked on the air mattress next to him. Before that, I read the story of a six-year-old girl who felt the only way to overcome the bullying was to hang herself with a jump rope. A jump rope. At what point did she feel so ignored? She felt the only way to be heard was to turn that jump rope into a cord, tie that cord around her voice, anchor it to the heavens and play telephone with God. Sweet, sweet girl, if only my wife would have heard you, she would have answered that call. She would have shown you how to use that jump rope properly so I don't tell her these stories of these children born into monsters and afraid to sleep in the dark because it would only remind her there's a nightlight we bought for the nursery that will never be used. It's even one of those nightlights that light up the ceiling with tiny stars that night, we slept in each other's arms. Our bodies entwined into a figure eight of infinity because that's how loud we dialed up the silence. And the only words of comfort I could muster was to tell her, we'll just be the best and an uncle to everyone else's kids like this was some sort of consolation prize. Sometimes the math just doesn't add up. On one side is a child wanting nothing more than a safe place to sleep. On the other, our parents staring at a crib they will never get to assemble. My God, can you not see this? Can you not do something to close the distance? Or at least tell me what to say to my wife to lift her up. When an empty womb feels so heavy, all she can do is collapse in the corner of our bathtub that Sunday. As I sat in church with my arms crossed, I glanced over to find her on her knees, her surrender telling me that sometimes the only way up is to hit the ground. The whispered prayers will reach heaven further than my screams. And for two years, she did this, not once getting loud, stacked each prayer on top of the other until it was high enough to pierce the clouds. And finally, he answered his cross appearing in the window of that positive pregnancy test. And now I invent over the same bathtub I found her years before 
giving our two-year-old son a bath. He splashes water on the floor, laughs when I get angry, and when we finish, when I tell him to put his bath toys away, he kisses each one just before he drops it into the basket. He knows how to love because he is loved. He knows how to love because he is loved. I pray every child could be as lucky. All right, so that was the second poem. And then just to round it all out is the poem that I wrote for my son. You know, they asked me, what is my favorite thing about him? You know, and, you know, like I mentioned, he was born with neurofibromatosis. Um, it's a genetic condition. For the most part, there's nothing wrong. Nothing will happen to you with NF. Um, but there are some delays. Uh, you know, you get, uh, you know, learning delays, uh, physical delays. In fact, he didn't start walking till he was almost two years old. He didn't learn how to jump till he was like three and a half. And just last week, now he's seven. He just finally learned how to ride his bike because he couldn't get the muscle movement. But now he's learning. So like, it's awesome. Um, but there are definitely some other delays, ADHD, that type of thing. Um, the rare case, the most, the rarest case of NF is when they start to get a lot of tumors and they get so many tumors sometimes that if you've ever seen pictures of people where they have so many bubbles on their faces and it looks like it's melting, that is a sign, you know, like that's like the worst case. Well, unfortunately, he doesn't have that. Like it's not something that, you know, he, he got. So um, how they knew he had NF was because he had all these like, like uh, birthmarks all over his body, just like dots everywhere. And uh, when he started school, he was in kindergarten, uh, started kindergarten. I remember putting a hoodie on him the first day of school because I was trying to hide the spots. And we got into a fight because he was like, you know, I don't want to wear that. That That is hot outside. And I'm like, no, just wear it. And he was like, no, I don't want to wear it. And, you know, it's Florida. It's like 98 degrees. And then I realized that, like, what am I doing? Like, why am I putting my insecurities on him, thinking that they're going to make fun of him because he has all these spots all over him? And so that's how this poem came about. And I will end with this. And uh, it's called Walking Constellation. It's one of my favorite poems. Uh, but, yeah. Every year, there are roughly 130 million babies and 150 billion stars born in the entire known universe. In a span of nine years, my wife and I had three known miscarriages. All that to say, we spent a lot of time floating in the empty void of space, wondering why the numbers never stacked in our favor. When we finally caught the comet, the geneticists saw the hundred tiny birthmarks that freckled my son's entire body and told us this was a symptom of neurofibromatosis, a rare genetic condition that can cause benign tumors to grow in the brain, spinal cord, and nerves. At its worst, so many tumors can grow. We can sag his skin and make his face look like it's melting. And I'm wondering, how will I handle the tumors if they come? If I can't even stand to look at the birthmarks that are already there, fast forward four years. It's his first day of school and he's throwing a tantrum because I'm making him wear a hoodie in this 90 degree weather, but I can't tell him I'm trying to hide the spots. It's just, I know too well people's tendency to be cruel, how they like to chop down trees just to make more handles to mount their ax. And I won't let him get whittled down by sharp tongues like that. Watching them take from him and turn him into something that he's not until he slowly becomes the weapon that's turning on himself. I know too well that kind of self-hate. And right now I'm just doing my best to control the fate of what's meant to become of myself son, so please just put this hoodie on because you can't yet see your birthmarks for what they truly are. But just then, while standing there naked, he held up his arms and said, Daddy, they look like stars. 
and pointing to the biggest one on his ribs, he said, Daddy, this one looks like a spaceship. So forgive me for failing to compose myself when he started making up stories of the spaceship flying through the galaxy. This is his body. Have I forgotten how much energy it takes to create a planet? Have I forgotten about the black hole that can suck the life out of an empty womb? Have I forgotten about the empty space that was left behind after the first time I dismantled the unused crib in our bedroom? How dare me think I know more about this universe than you do? How dare me forget all the stars that fizzled out before you came shining through? You were born. You are here. Riddled with spots as proof you exist. It's why they call them birthmarks to begin with. So how lucky are we that you have more than most? Miracle boy, I know one day you might want to eclipse yourself into that hoodie to hide behind the moon as they stare and point. Well, let them stare and point the same way they stare and point at stars in wonder and awe. Remind them they're merely specks of dust in the vastness of your presence. And when the bullies come with their meteor shower of insults aiming to hit you at your core, swing your Milky Way arms to the bridge of their nose so they will always know, so they will always know that you are the big bang your mother and I have been waiting for, you walking constellation, you light speed traveler, you rocket of hope. I've gone on with this metaphor for too long, I know, but every year. There are roughly 130 million babies and 150 billion stars born in the entire known universe. All that to say, no matter how worse your condition becomes, we will always love you until infinity. You are our son, our one in 150 billion. All right, that's my set, man. Thank you guys so much for indulging and all that stuff. And was that a laugh track? Is that a laugh track? It's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> so it's applause. It's applause. All right. Applause, applause, applause. Yeah. It just well, so happens they, they came home right as I'm like, you know, as I'm like trying to do stuff. It's like weird. Okay. But here we are. That's the way that's the way it happens. My husband yeah. came home earlier in the set like, and the and the dog started cooing. Yeah, because no, no, no. Some I don't know if I have a dog or a pigeon because she will be like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, I have a Wookie. Um, okay, Asia. So, wow. Let's uh, yes. I was like, you're gonna go jump in. We can't do like little statements about like, wow, this. <laughs> you you want to process? Process. Yes. Oh my god. So I always make faces, and I could just I saw my little voice, and I'm like, oh my god, it was great. Thank you so much for sharing. It was weird because I was seeing like comments pop up and I didn't realize comments could pop up from uh from, from like YouTube and stuff. And I was like, I got like, oh, whoa, there's a comment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway. It's the virtual anyway. equivalent of people snapping in the audience and, mm -hmm. and all of that. It's, it's, it's what we, you know, we do what we can in this virtual world. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually kind of looking through some of the stuff now. It's pretty dope. Yeah, people are loving it. Absolutely. Let's talk about this virtual world because, um, you know, as noted in your bio, uh, you're one of the most highly booked spoken word artists out there. Um, you you tour for a living. Uh, but then last March, the entire world shut down. Um, mm -hmm. So how has it been? Because now we're going on over a year of... Um, COVID. This, this, of COVID. So how has it been as a touring artist in the pandemic? <laughs> I'm gonna sound like such a like insensitive dude right now, but or like you know, or like boastful, and I'm not trying to be, but I actually had more shows last year than I did in the last couple of years. Um, that being said, it's because um, I was 
you know, colleges were able to like, oh, we can bring Asia now without having to pay more and for travel and stuff. Like, yeah, of course. So, you know, I've been touring since 06. So we built up a lot of relationships with schools, you know? So because they weren't able to go to these college conferences to like see poets and things like that, they're gonna dig back into people they've had before, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I was able to do a lot of, a ton of shows uh, that way. Um, I was even brought by the US military to do a show in Bahrain, which was like crazy, like virtually. Um, that was a weird call to get from your agent. Cause he was like, uh, you want to do a show at a nuclear facility? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and then, but it was dope because it was for the 9-11 tribute and they showed a picture and I could see um, like this big like stage and it, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. It was awesome. Like it was like at a pavilion and it was like 300 soldiers or some, something like that. Yeah. So legit. Oh, wow. No, I, I think this is, it's always interesting because, um, so I work on that college end. I work for like student activities and oh yeah. The, <laughs> so you know, you know it is. <laughs> I know, I know. So it's been interesting because you know, um, I think we we you know we talked about it on another show how we're so used to going to like NACA, yeah, um, and these other showcases. But yep. it's been um, it's been very helpful that we don't bring in poets from different states just because again, it's like budget cuts because of enrollment right. and stuff like that. Um, but it also allows us to get poets at any moment. Uh, time, anywhere else. Know? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And now you could, so, you could, who do you want? Like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's been very interesting too. And I, you know, um, so I'm not surprised when you're saying that this is probably the most that you've been booked because it's just easier and more accessible. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, so I, I mean, I'm definitely blessed for that. I mean, I'm definitely blessed that I was able to get that. And I was, um, you know, cause I know a lot of people lost a ton of shows mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I feel for them and I'm, I was scared too, you know, uh, fortunately when COVID hit last year in around March, April, um, when everybody got on lockdown, I had already done a significant amount of my shows by then, my, my physical shows, I was already towards the tail end of my tour. So I only lost maybe two shows. Mm. that they canceled mm. on me other people were just starting their tour yeah. like march april may and lost like a whole semester's worth of shows um fortunately for me i had already done most of mine um and then come fall uh you know we were able to get people like we were able to get shows so we were you know so so far but right now um i have like five uh, for this semester um fall is kind of looking scary uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. It's, it looks scary for all of us too. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We're I, like, what does it look like? Are we coming yeah. back? I know for us, even in you know New York, because New York was hit really bad. We're yes. like twenty five percent. Right. Yeah. And we'll probably fall. I don't know how that's gonna look, but um, yeah, it's just it's still so up in the air. Mm -hmm. So for it's those really of, plan. for those of you who are watching and you're hearing us talk all this college talk. Um, what you're seeing in front of you right now are the two ends of how a college books mm -hmm. people, right? Like, on one side is, mm -hmm. the, is, is a person who works with student activities and is in charge of bringing talent to the school. And on the other <laughs> side is us, the talent. And so yes. student activity, look at me giving a lecture right now. Student activities. <laughs> I've been in a while. I've been, this has been my job. So student activities, they usually book a year ahead of time, yes, right? Like do. they already have everything planned out for the next semester and the semester after that. And so that's how we always know as artists, oh, 
2020 is going to look awesome or 2018 is going to look great. Um, but because of COVID and everything being up in the air and the, 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 the booking has kind of halted because they don't know, should we still book virtually or should we book in person? Are we going to be open? No one knows. And so mm -hmm. that is the struggle right now. So that's how the, that's how the industry looks right now. And, you know, we, we go to these things called NACA and APCA, which is a base, basically all the artists and all the schools come to that and they shop us basically they shop for talent there and without that it's hard to get shows so mm -hmm. that's where i'm at so right now i'm hoping really that this corporate stuff that they're doing while i'm at this show i hope that that pans out and there's some stuff that comes from that hopefully mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so now you also like outside of poetry you do you do a lot of other things you know you talked about design earlier you do leather work you do photography uh so even with all, like with all that you you're pretty well stocked in terms of like equipment um yeah. how is like the pivot to virtual how i mean i want to say how easy was that for you but how was that pivot because like you you have a setup like how was that pivot to virtual shows for you when it was uh, like, right, you're not going anywhere, but you still got shows to do because you got, also you have a child. <laughs> I'm laying back for this because you guys <laughs> have a very big problem because I I'm, I'm a gearhead. Like I spent a lot of money on gear. Once I, when I get into something, like when I got into leather work, I, like, well, I had to buy all the things like, you know, and right now I'm into this overlanding thing, which I'm loving because overlanding is so much fun and it's basically camping with a vehicle and you get to fix up your vehicle and stuff. And I started an overlanding channel, right? Um, and it like, no, legit, like there, if you go to YouTube and look up Baptism Overland, outside of the Asia Project, you go to Baptism Overland, you'll see all these like things that I've done. And it actually grew faster than my poetry channel started to grow. Wow. I think it's starting to catch up. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. Because I think people are like loving it. Cause you know, right, especially with COVID, a lot of people are being outdoors more. And, mm. and so I love doing that. So I'm, there's always avenues. And so I'm always buying gear. Like I have, you know, when it, when it came to going virtual, I really had everything already I needed. The only thing I needed to do was get something that will allow my, D, my DSLR to hook up to the, to the webcam on my computer and then I had to get a better mic for streaming and stuff, but that was it. Everything else I've already had like lights and cameras and things like that. Cause I do photography and video. So, um, I pretty much, yeah, but I'm always ready to buy more gear. Like, <laughs> what God. but, but, but it's now it's like tax. Like it's like now it's a, ta it's tax deductible now. It's because, all tax deductible. Oh, yeah. It's always like, been tax deductible. <laughs> Well, yeah, let me not say some things and then this gets put in an audit. I'm just, but it's true. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I, when I, when I, when I make enough, like when I make enough funds from shows, I usually throw it right back into the business. Like I get equipment because now that we're virtual, I have to get better equipment to, to, mm -hmm. to, to provide that. Right. So, um, yeah. So of course, you know, I don't like go out there and buy like Gucci bags or something. It's not me. It's not my. I, I buy a lot of gear. Like I, I love gear. Like I even tell my wife, I'm like, don't buy me clothes because you know I'm gonna be picky about it. Definitely don't buy me sunglasses because I always lose every pair of sunglasses she's ever bought me. <laughs> um, it's like a curse every time. Um, I go buy me something that will allow to allow me to make more things. Uh, That's like the oh. best gift for me. I mean, I That's was gonna say, I was gonna say, you don't buy Gucci bags, but uh, you are known for your fashion. You are, yeah, definitely. Well, well, yeah. I mean, you know, you can, you can make things work. Well, no, back in the day, I used to buy like a lot of that stuff. Like I used to love, 
high-end stuff. And so I still have a lot of high-end stuff. But then I had a kid and then everything and suddenly like priorities change, you know. Um, for a while, I was all about that. Actually, what changed? No, not priorities. COVID happened. Like prior to COVID, it was all about like, you know, looking good and blah, blah, blah fashion stuff. And then COVID happened. And it was like, I have all these clothes and I have nowhere to be. Mm -hmm. And if the world ends tomorrow, I am not prepared. And what am I going to do? Try to use my Louis Vuitton ties to survive? Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so that's why I got into this whole overlanding thing. And I'm like, all right, we're going to be good in the event that something happens. I'm prepared. Like, not crazy prepper type, nothing like that. But just be at least like I can take care of my family if some things went down. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my well, I guess talking about like, you know, how not they're not hobbies, they're like more of your projects and you know what you you put work into. Um, let's kind of shift gears to um this documentary, Find the Poem, that you've been working on for a hot minute. Um can you right. tell us a little about the project and both what it's about and how the experience of putting it together and out in the world has been? Yeah. So prior to COVID, I flew around the country to interview 30 of Poet, 30 poets that I've always admired in my career, right? Everything, everyone from like rookie poets who had just started to, um, I have Andrea Gibson on there. I have um, Buddy Wakefield on there. I have um, Sheehan. I have like, you know, Mahogany Brown. I have Jive Poetic. I have all these guys on there. And so um, I went around, interviewed them and I compiled it into a documentary. And I'm still in the middle of editing. Like, honestly, I'm still like, I can't, cut it down like for for a minute when i first edited edited it it was four hours long i'm like this is like the infinity wars of poetry <laughs> you know what i mean this is this is the avengers of like poetry i'm like no one's gonna watch poetry for four hours so i um i turned it down and now it's, i know but <laughs> now i'm at two hours and i'm like no i gotta get it to like an hour and a half and i'm just still trying to figure out where you know but then shihan called and said hey we're doing this little film festival thing um, here in LA for poetry and uh, would you want to show your film? So they're going to show it in like a few weeks, I believe. Um, so I'm pretty oh. amped about that. But they're going to just show it so that I can get feedback, you know, yeah. and really so I can get more um, like, hey, what did you guys think? This is the raw cut right now. It's an hour and 45 minutes long. Where do you think I can cut things out? You know, so where, do, where does it not flow? And so that's where I'm at with that. So I'm, I'm excited because, you know, once I get that kind of feedback, I can get back to editing and make it look good. Yeah, essentially wor workshopping the film, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So oh, on the theater guy, I forgot. Uh, we got know. theater guy <laughs> theater in the house. Uh, so speaking of workshops, so you've been doing poetry professionally for a while now, um, and you've decided to kind of like share your knowledge about making a career out of poetry um, by offering this workshop with awful good writers yep. um, called Proetry. Right. Uh, I think you've had you've had two sessions now, right? Yeah, we're um, two sessions in. Yep. Cool. You, so you can still join people if people are watching this right now and you want to learn how to make poetry into a career. You can still join on awfulgoodwriters.com um, because when you sign up, you could still watch the past two episodes and then join us for the live ones for the last two. That I'm yeah. Doing, so. so that was that was my question. How's it been going? One and two. What can people expect? Because, like you said, people can still sign up. If you're just hearing about this yeah. workshop now, you can still sign up. Go back, watch the the two sessions that have already happened, and catch the next two. So, how's yeah. it been going? And what can people expect from it? Oh, it's been great, man. Um, you know, I to to get into the workshop is a little steep. I knew when Buddy and them were 
pitching it like, ooh, people are gonna pay $150, right? But if you think about it, $150, you will learn the ins and outs of this career. And you can take that, that's an investment in yourself. And mm -hmm. so um, I've had I've had eight people sign up and um, we, I've, they're like, they've become like my students, man. Like, it's been pretty great. Like yeah. every week I see them I'm like, hey guys. And like, where were we, where did we leave off last week? Last week, and they've been like giving me nothing but positive feedback. They've been like, man, this workshop has been so helpful. I've been getting so much yeah. information. So I don't skip on the information, man. I will, I will tell you how, how I did it and how you can possibly do it too. I absolutely love that. And, you know, somebody says only $150. You can't afford not to, right? $150 yeah. for the rest of your career. Like that's yeah. a well investment. Um, and I yeah. second the notion that you're talking about, like, because uh, I just wrapped up a workshop with them. And yeah, like these, these uh, for lack of a better term, participants, the yeah. people in your workshop, like they do become like a, a, yeah. a family and like you build family. relationships. Yeah. 100%. And then, you know, and I told them too, like after this workshop is over, um, the, the relationship continues because you can hire me to coach you into your career. Like I can, you know, where, I, where everything I've taught you, I can help, help you in that process, get to that stage of like, all right, I'm ready. I got everything I need. And I can show you the door so I can introduce you to agents. But, you know, I can only show you the door. Like I'm not going to make, I'm not going to build your career for you, but I will give you all the tools and resources and things like that. Cause I, I, I think that, um, I think that, well, one karma, right? Like if I don't help others and I'm being like this with what I have, then, you know, it's going to come back to me later. Right. I mean, Chibi, I brought you into the college market. I'm going to, I'm going to right? like, you know, I saw Chibi, I'm like, Chibi, you can do so well in the college. And I introduced them to agents. He's with my agency now. The agency that represents me represents Chibi. And not, I'm not saying you take credit for that, but just because I'm like, Chibi, this is the door. You want it or not? And, and Chibi's like, I'll walk in. And here we are, right? Um, I, I believe in, like, I think that we can all share. I mean, there's so many colleges, man. Like people act like I'm going to do all of them and no one else can, like, come on, dude. Like I can't be at all the college. There's so many. Yeah. It's and not a zero sum. And we can all make money, man. We can all do big things if we just stop getting in each other's way. You know? Yeah, we, I, definitely. I feel like we are always, you know, you have to not compete, right? It's just we need to, like, build each other up. And um, we still want to see other, every, everyone kind of eat, right? We just, like, yeah. want you to eat. That's great. That's great. Um, so... <laughs> I feel like, yeah, this is like so many information. It's really great because you're talking about like the business side so well of like poetry. And like you said, like I, I, um, I book poets for, or book talent. <laughs> Wait, which school, which school are you in? If you don't want me asking. Yeah, I'm with the CUNY system and King, um, City University of New York. Um, okay. So I'm with Kingsborough Community College up in Brooklyn. Okay. I haven't done that one yet. I don't think. No, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fixing the change, she said. <laughs> the funny thing is, the funny thing is, Rocky probably knows my agency. Like, oh, I know them. I'll just call them up if I need you. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Because we're talking, we're continuing with this business talk. But yeah, like, it's to me, it's just really interesting because I've always been around poets and I've just started working in like this side of the the um, business and to me it's like why don't you just go up to the poet unless the poet's like hey can you please talk to our agent you know it's, I just feel like I have a connection with them I'm in the poetry community it's just easier just to talk to them yeah yeah, yeah. however it works you should bring me in Chibi 
I mean, you probably should be. She already, yeah, I, I've been to I'm Kansas, saying, bro. If all of us went, then we can all do like that. <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, Asia and I are a good double feature. They have this gorgeous uh, room where it's just floor to ceiling windows looking out into the Atlantic Ocean. Atlantic Ocean. Oh, that's where yeah, you, that's where you perform. Yeah, we have uh, a, a lighthouse, so it's, it's been really nice. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, well, here we have floor to ceiling floors, so it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I usually perform. Right. Uh, <laughs> floor to ceiling floors, right? Floor to ceiling floors, a ring light. A nice I little, know. you know, DSLR camera. <laughs> and, and a little uh, shelf in the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we oh. got a cute question in uh, in the comments section. Uh, Macho wants to know, what's one piece of advice you'd give to aspiring poets? Um, you know what? Oh, what's one? No, I'm not going to do one. I actually write tenets, right? Mm -hmm. I, write, I, I write poetry tenets, like... These are my, my, this is my code, my own personal code when I'm writing poems, right? And, and I'll tell you them e easily. Um, number one, write what you know, right? Because uh, so many times when you watch people do spoken word or they'll watch like Button or, or Write About Now, suddenly everybody's writing what became like viral and everybody wants to write that kind of poem. And like if I were to write about police brutality, being an Asian guy who's never experienced police brutality, then... I'm not really doing that injustice, right? And then there's going to be people who's going to know more about it than I do, and then they're going to debate me, and before you know it, I'm out of my league, right? I would rather just tell personal stories about what I go through because you can't debate personal stories. You can come to me all day and, and tell me why I'm wrong about my views, but you can't tell me that, you know, my wife didn't have a miscarriage, you know what I mean? So I'd rather tell stories and let the audience figure out what it is that they, they got from that. So number one is, right, what you know, Number two, take it all the way. When you go through something traumatic, when you go through something that you want to, you know, that, that you know that, that would might make a good poem, you have two choices: you can write it or you don't write it. Right? Um, no one is forcing you to write it, and you shouldn't be mentored by somebody who tells you to write out your traumas just so that you can get like viral or get points on a slam. Right? You get a coach like that, you walk away asap. You know, because there's been coaches that way that were teaching kids to do that, and I, you know, that irked me. But if you did go through something traumatic, you can choose, write about it or don't write about it. The moment, though, that you decide to write about it, the moment you say, I'm going to commit myself to this poem because I'm ready for it, then don't sidestep around what you're trying to talk about. Take it there. Take it all the way because that's the only way you're going to actually get everything out that you need to get out about that, about that subject right um that's the only way you'll heal too it's getting it all out when if you decide i'm going to talk about the time i was sexually abused but you kind of pussyfooting around the the subject a little bit i mean you know then you, you you've wasted an opportunity to really talk about it because you made the decision to write about it you wasted the opportunity to really talk about it because you were afraid so if you're afraid then you know it's kind of like the moment you decide to jump off of off of a plane then now you have no choice but to pull that parachute or you're gonna die so and that's the second thing and the third thing is make it hurt whatever you're writing make it hurt um that's the only way you're gonna heal you know make sure that when you're reading it yourself you can see it and you can feel it and if you take yourself there if you allow yourself to take it there um you'll find so much catharsis in poetry yeah so that's it that's my thing 
Mm. No, I think that's, those are great, great words of advice. Um, I actually wanted to talk about specifically your poetry. You know, you've always, your poetry has always been vulnerable and honest about your life and it's, you know, it's trials and, you know, I think some poets, they, like you said, they, they want to bring attention to these very vulnerable issues, but they don't go all the way um, in detail about it or share like personal experience within their writing. And I just want to know, like, why allow the audience to receive those intimate glances into your right. life like that? Right. Um, I, 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 I'm very transparent when it comes to that stuff, because I also know that I'm, we have to understand that we are not the only ones to go through these type of things as much as it hurts us. Um, and so sometimes if my pain can become somebody else's healing and lets them know they're not alone, then that makes whatever I just went through worth it. I mean, I hate to say worth it, right? Like, you know, I, my, I lost my sister. Like my, my sister passed away when she was 29. I wrote a poem about it. Um, not, I would give it all back. I would give back the poem. I would give back whoever it moved just to have her back. But because I can't do that, it, it happened, then, you know, then my journey to healing from that, if I can share that journey with others who are also grieving, um, then it made her death, at least her death wasn't in vain. So I've always kind of looked at things that way, right? Like being open and vulnerable. I've always lived with this thing where like, I just want to die with someone had witnessed my life. I think that's all we want, man. I think as poets, especially, we just want an audience. And when we say an audience, mm. it could just be your family. It could be someone. That's why we need someone to witness our lives with us. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that's 3,000 people or just the people in your house. You know, no one wants to die alone and unremember, you know, unforgotten, you know? Yeah. Oh. Or forgot, yeah. Words dropping. <laughs> dropping. <laughs> dropping words. Right. Sorry, speaking, of, speaking of, no, but I mean, it's, it's, true, it's true, right, to well. true to yourself. It's true to your work. You know, like you've always been very vulnerable, very honest about uh, your experiences. And I, you know, like it, I don't think this interview would have gone any other way because like exactly. then it, it wouldn't be you. And that's the whole point, right? Well, now that we talk, now that we did the words part, let's, let's do the talking shit part then. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, let's talk some shit. What was the worst poetry <laughs> you were ever? No, I'm kidding. No, no, I'm no. kidding. No, let's, let's talk, let's talk about the, the, the poetry, you know, shit as well. Like you've been doing poetry for a minute. You know, you mentioned how like back in 2016, uh, the team you were on, uh, Juan Southern Fried, 2016, 2006, sorry. Um, you were on Deaf Poetry Jam. Like, you've been doing this for a, for, for a, for a hot minute, but you're only now uh, working on releasing your first book of poetry. Yeah, because, uh, because books weren't a thing then. I, well, I mean, that was my question. One, why? Why till now? And two, what's that project looking like? <laughs> All right. So the thing is, well, because before I had these bigger ambitions for my first book. You know, some, a lot of times when you want to give birth to the thing, to the first thing, you you really don't want to just give birth to it right away because you want to like make it perfect. And then you realize, what am I doing? Just do it. You know what I mean? So I had this goal of making a photography coffee table book that has my poems and my photography in it. Mm. Right. Mm. But to produce such a book, it's like $20 a book, which means I would have to sell it for like 30. I, I'm like, oh, that's going to be expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, and I'm like, OK, well, and I kept pushing it off, but I, I, I was already designing it. I already had it all created. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this book for a while. And then I was like, you know, well, why don't I 
start off with a simpler book that's not necessarily photography, but just poetry and stories about my son that I put on Facebook. Just collect all that, produce a book with it. And then the proceeds I make from that book, I can use to fund that second book, right? That I really wanted to do. So um, the first book is still going to be dope. It's going to be, it's about my son. It's all the stories about fatherhood and uh, haikus that I've written for my son. Um, you know, haikus, stories on Facebook, uh, and even poems that I wrote for him. Yeah. Like for example, go for it. For example, this haiku, you think he needs pills because he can't sit still. Maybe you're just boring. So. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Oh my so, goodness. Yeah. If that. I had a if I had a sound machine, right? Here's where the bomb Bing, sound. Yeah, like or a, a triangle. A triangle. Would go I mean I feel like that's like in Southern Fried, right? Where we have those haiku competitions and it's, I would definitely give it, is it the, the white flag? flag? Yeah. Or whatever color I am, that's the flag you would Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I would give it to you right there. Ashley says she can't wait because these stories are the shit. She wants them all compiled. Oh, now. Ashley. Oh, I can't believe she's on. That's awesome. Hi, Ashley. Ashley Nakanishi is, is dope. No idea where she came from. Right, like just popped up in the poetry world, and I'm so blessed that she popped up in the poetry world because she was she was sending me and my family like like care packages from Hawaii. That's like Aww. dope, and she gave me this black lava salt that is like bomb wow. on steak. What? Wow, that's like some it was so, you know you yeah. It was, it's called it's black <laughs> black lava salt, right? Like it's salt from like the, the lava rocks and stuff. I served it to my friends, and they were like, "We need some of this." So I gave them some, and they took it home in little baggies. And they're like, "If I get pulled over," and like, <laughs> and it looks a bit black, suspect. Yeah, like this black powder. Like you know, I'm like Asia man. Don't get us arrested. I'm like whatever. And now they're like, and now they're at home. They're, my friends were calling me. They're like, dude, I'm trying to ration this out, man. I can't use it all up <laughs> at one time. Got to wait for that. My, my, my homeboys bought like Wagyu steak just so they can use it for that. Like it was insane. Wow. Was like, mm, yeah. wow. Ashley, so, you need to start charging a premium every time you uh, right. uh, ship sure. it out to Asia. <laughs> Ashley, send some to Chibi. It'll change his life. I swear to God. There you go. Because I do spend a good amount of time in the kitchen. I'm uh, all, you, were talking, you were talking about all that, uh, your your ribeye. And I was like, but where's the garlic butter? When oh, do you put the rosemary on it? Like, oh, come on, give me, the, give me the garnishing and all that. Oh, I'm, yeah. I like, oh, well, yeah. Then we come to the territory, right? Of course. <laughs> wow. I feel like y'all are just complete chefs, and I'm like, ah. Uh. I am not. I am totally not. I'm totally not. Asia doesn't cook. He he has someone cook for him, and he enjoys the meal. No, uh. actually, I I've learned. I mean, my I come from a family of cooks. I just I never. I had like a lot of food traumas growing up. Honestly, like real talk, mm. I had a lot of like food, like aversions and things like that. That I you know, it was only until after I got with Jessica that I had learned how to really like food because it was a lot that I was so picky about. And I started learning how to cook, but I'm not like the best. I mean, no, actually, no, I'm right. The stuff I know how to cook, I'm pretty good at, you know, because I mean, I think it's in my blood. My family was cooks. Um, but my wife and my wife loves when I cook, but it was just not something that I picked up like doing from my whole life. But I actually enjoy it now. And HelloFresh actually, like, it's awesome. Yo, yo, yeah, we do Home Chef over on this side. Yeah, but like, you but, oh, yeah. Jessica wants to move to that. She was like, yo, I, want, I think I want to try Home Chef next. They have more like, options. They teach you so much, though. I'm like, oh, that's how you make this. 
Yeah. Like I learned how to make flautas the other day. I'm like, oh, that's how they make flautas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that and, uh, so that, that's, that's been our show. Thank you for They're joining okay. us. Okay. Yeah. All right. Bye. See you later. I, I feel like that's like some couple stuff. Like I'm all out here single. I'm like, go ahead and live your like married life with your like subscribe. No, but you should go get, you should go get like uh, HelloFresh or, or, or Home Chef or whatever. It's actually really good. And um, you, you, they make some really good stuff that you can cook and it's like, it's tasty. You okay. should. My my sister lives alone. She's single. She does the home chef thing, and it's like you? you do you do the you, you do make the, that sound so sad. My no, sister lives home alone. It's not. It's not sad. She's an independent <laughs> woman living in Houston. Yeah, okay. The way you said it, you said it so hilarious. I'm just talking to Rocky yeah, here. Like, you know, like. Maybe you keep, maybe you two should zoom together since you live alone. I know. We'll, we'll get it together. Me and Julia will yeah. we'll, we'll have a subscription maybe. and we'll like share it like sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we'll Brooklyn. cook together. <laughs> You're single and live alone. You obviously don't have friends. I guess. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim. Oh, man. Well, that was our show. Yeah. No. No, no, I will no. say that TikTok, TikTok has actually given me some like amazing recipes. I've done yeah. um, home freaks, like freaks. Yeah, like I was so I was like, look at me, look at me. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know. I didn't even know it'd be like, like I didn't even know TikTok would have videos that long that you can follow. No, no they're don't. quick. <laughs> they're <laughs> quick. You gotta watch it a few times and write down. I yes. got this creamy avocado salsa recipe off of TikTok the Whoa. other day. Is it? You just, you gotta watch That's it a few times. I watch a lot of TikTok videos, but I've not yet jumped on the TikTok bandwagon and made no. my own videos. It doesn't make sense to me, but um, I enjoy right. the dogs. There's a lot like of I'm hilarious stuff on there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is, dude. Yes. Like, I never got into Vine either. And I'm just like, you know what? I'd rather just create stories like on YouTube, especially now. I'm creating a lot of stories and um, media stuff. I like enjoy it. Like, you know, like I can create something. You know, mm. it's fun to watch. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day, who knows? But I feel like I'd be too old to do TikTok. It'd be weird. You know? I think, yeah, like the youth really do kind of scare me on TikTok. Like they're so quick to like judge you so fast. I'm like, oh. Oh, are they? Yeah, see, I don't know about all that. <laughs> There's no need. There's no need. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think let's, how many more questions should be like two more questions. Yeah, I mean, I, I got, I got one more on my list, but uh, that's all I got. That's all I got left. But I think you got that one too. So like, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Go I'm for here, it. man. I'm, yeah. All right. And I'm like and refill bartender. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think we've talked a lot about how COVID has changed our lives, you know, from TikTok even right. TikTok right. was blew up because we had you know we were staying inside um and i think you know we kind of alluded to it at the very beginning but you know as like an asian american poet from like a red state you know how have you situated yourself and your work in a specific moment in history and how have you used these virtual spaces to really like um i guess advocate um you know through poetry I mean, this is the best time, and as far as technology is concerned, it's it's the best and the worst time too, right? Like like I said before, like if you don't know how to be responsible with the power that you have, that's what's wrong. There's so much news and so much influx all the time. Like. 
from every from everywhere. Like you, you know, you you'll hear about something the moment it happens, within five seconds, you'll know about it too. When back in the day, you'd have to go send somebody on a horse to tell the rest of the towns about what's going on, right? Like, so it's all in our fingertips, right? So basically you can be anywhere at any time. If you can just use that platform, use that responsibly and use it to better the world, we would be so much better. But right now, the things that are being passed on is just negative, negative. like to the point where you want to shut, like that's horrible. The fact that you were like, you know what? I need to unplug because it's getting too much. That mm -hmm. tells you that yeah. it's a drug, right? Yeah. It's kind of like going to a club and be like, all right, I think I've drank enough. I, I'm going to chill now. Like that shows you you've drank enough, right? Like, okay, I'm going to start puking if I don't. Then that's how much news and stuff we're getting online. That's how much stuff we have to deal with all the time now online. And so I try to at least, if I'm going to provide something, at least let me provide something that will give people hope. I'll, you know, provide something that will, people will want to watch. And, you know, cause if all, if we had good stuff online to watch and it made us feel good, we wouldn't have this feeling of, you know what, I need to unplug. This is getting to be too much. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd be like, man, this is just right. This is good. You know, and good news doesn't travel as fast, as quickly as bad news because mm. bad news is what sells right mm -hmm. so mm. that's where we're at and so i've had to like shut down i mean because you know once the media gets a hold of one story you'll hear all about that for a while right like even if it's over it's been happening i i can guarantee you asians have been attacked a lot yeah. for a long time because mm -hmm. i've seen it i know it but only now all of a sudden it's in the limelight and all of a sudden now you're seeing it it's kind of like you know people were like Really? Cops are beating up, you know, cops are killing black people of oh, they've been. Hello. Like, mm -hmm. but it wasn't until recently that it's now being you, you, you'll see it. So for those of you who think it just started happening. No, they've been fighting for this for a very long time. But only now it's, there's public awareness. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like when people were leaving their children in car seats. Once that story, one story took hold, suddenly you heard nothing but stories about people leaving their kids in car seats. Um, that's the world we're in. And so you have to adjust, you have to adapt and figure out a way to, you know, I stopped trying to change the world, right? Like I, I somebody I was talking to someone and they're like, you know, can't change the world, but you can change the little corner that you're in, mm. you know? That's been my goal now, it's just change the corner that I'm in. How am, I, how am I with my family? How am I with my kid? How am I with my community? Um, and, you know, and that will reach out if everybody could just change their own corner of the world, not try so hard to try to change the whole world because it's yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Now it's self-care you know, it's, it's and it's it's the little moments that we can provide for ourselves and for each other that end, uh, end up making, you know, kind of like the biggest difference, honestly. These, yeah. these small moments of joy, these small moments of hope. Um, one, I'm I'm trying to interpret this comment from uh, the the audience. Um, yeah. One of these small moments that I have seen that you introduced me to was this notion of staccatos. Oh, <laughs> Roberta says staccato for the Golden Girls. I don't know what that means. So the, okay, but so she asks about staccato. So tell us for those who don't know what a staccato is. I'm like, just give us a good one. <laughs> so staccatos, okay, so all right. So Roberta, they, we call them the Golden Girls because you've met them. They're part of the poetry community here in Pensacola, um, mm. right? 
You've met them before because they've bought your book, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, I thought she was referring to the actual Golden Girls, and there's like a staccato for the Golden Girls. But no. She, I get it. She's asking for herself. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so staccatos are basically wordplay. Um, you can join the Facebook group staccatos. I am not the one that created staccatos. At, um, Keith Rogers is the one that started staccatos, and I was taught by Paul D. Um, basically, I say a word. You repeat the word back to me and I give you the staccato. So I'll give you the one that Paul D introduced that, that Paul D did that taught me what a staccato was. So it'd be like a firefighter. 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 He'd be pulling some hose. Right. So that's that's a staccato. Oh. <laughs> right. That's great. Wordplay. Okay. Word so puns, so dad be, jokes. Yeah. So it could be it could be like that, right? So, you know, for example, this is mine. These are the next ones are mine. Asgardian. 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 Strip club bouncer. Ah. <laughs> or um, same-sex marriage. Same-sex same sex sex marriage. marriage. 12 years in this only doggy style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same. It's the little it's, things in life. It can, be, it's, it, it's can be horrible, but they're fun. Once you start hearing staccato or seeing staccatos, you can't help but like write staccatos yourself join the facebook group it's fine this is called staccato s-t-a-c-c-a-t-o and because staccatos are so rooted in puns it yeah. has quickly become one of my because puns are the highest form of comedy okay yeah i'm looking straight at the camera i yes. am so serious about this <laughs> no dude i mean there's yeah. so there's so pun to do you know what i mean like uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. I just can't get enough of it. You know, sometimes I'm just punned to death. Yeah. That's you know? so punny, though. You're so punny. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, All cute. right. <laughs> I'm done with y'all. I'm done with y'all. I'm done with y'all. No, this has been a fantastic. Uh, I feel oh, like this conversation awesome. went absolutely yes. everywhere. Uh, we've talked about hearts and emotions. We've talked about the rawness of things. We talked about the professional side of poetry. We talked about bullshit in this world and and happiness and cooking and joy and uh, yeah, all of it. So and even brought some special guests. You know, you brought on your son. I'm waiting for. I was kind of waiting for your wife to like jump in and be like, "Hi, too." No, she doesn't. Do. She's so introverted. It's not even funny. <laughs> I think that's the balance, man. I think that's why we work. It's like, yeah. man, if we both were like attention getters, oh, no. <laughs> It'd be all over. It'd be all. What's her we, star sign? We, but we, we, I don't know. So what is September 25th? I think it's a, I don't know if it's a Virgo or no, no, no. it's a Libra. Libra. It's is after it Virgo. Yeah, Libra. It's Libra. Libra. See, balance, balance. Okay. All right. Before we go into another tangent, uh, Asia, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Could you please uh, close us out with one more poem? Please. All right. I'm going to close out my with my favorite poem, but a lot of people, I don't know if other people are feeling this poem as much as I am, um, but it's, it's, it's personal to me. And, uh, and I think it's, I wrote it after COVID when I learned that, you know, uh, I, I used to want to be so famous, man. Like when I started poetry, I was like, I'm going to be famous one day. And then, you know, cancer happened and I lost my sister and then, you know, miscarriages. And then you realize, you know, fame will come and go, man. But you hold on to the important things. You, 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 you change the lives of the people that matter to you the most. And so that's kind of where this poem 
came from. And it's my personal favorite because a lot of my poems are about other people. And this one's actually for me. So after my sister died, my siblings and I had this morbid joke about what we would want written on our tombstones. I told them I wanted mine to say, thank you for visiting. Now please stop standing on my nut. Not once, between the sick laughter in our teeth, did it occur to any of us. We don't write our own tombstones. Now, if the thought of that doesn't scare you, then clearly you haven't thought about the jury responsible for yours, our lovers, our family and friends, or God forbid, our children, because those fuckers have more evidence to judge us than anyone. And you're saying that doesn't scare you to death? You don't turn ghosts at the thought that there are people out there who could see right through you? Relax. No one is paying good money to the chisel to remind us you were kind of a dick. Even killers are buried in forgotten and unmarked graves. I am not afraid to be forgotten. I'm more afraid my grave will be a monument to a man I never actually became. This embellished lie planted above my casket forever to hang over my head. But had you asked me back then, I would have said, carve me legend. Carve me saddled on my high horse. Carve all my accolades around the base. Might want to spring for the whole mausoleum to make it all fit if you know what I'm saying but I've since racked up too much mileage on this tongue from all the years spent running my mouth. And I've since found out that the choir that sings your praises can quickly become the choir that will tear down your pulpit for the materials to build your cross. I know I'm no Jesus. Most times it's my own God complex that has even my loved ones staring me down with a handful of nails. I'm pretty sure they can't wait to hammer into my ankles. If it'll keep me from constantly putting my foot in my mouth. Now, if I could just manage to mortician the ego out then maybe my open casket won't look so grotesque. We all want to put our best face forward. It's just most times my best face forward has me turning my back to those responsible for collecting my bones. There's a reason resumes are not carved on tombstones. There's a reason my son can't quote a lick to any of my poems, but word for word recite every one of my bedtime stories that has made him laugh. I remind myself that to water where the grass grows because the worst blow anyone could deliver to a writer like me is a tombstone with something so cliche like loving husband and father just to take up the space of having nothing else better to say nothing is worse than being forgotten than being remembered but unforgiven it's why this poem it's now his 50th revision rewriting and rewriting until i have a story where i don't end up the bad guy because sometimes the bad guys are the ones with the best intentions but became too obsessed trying to control what their tombstone will say, I don't ever want to win this life like that. I want to be one of the good guys to finish last. I want to be so far back on my final lap that by the time I cross the finish line, the balloons are gone. The music has stopped. The crowd has dispersed. And the only ones left to cheer me on are those that taught me compassion, taught me humility, taught me decency. And just maybe I'll make them proud enough to tell the chisel, to tell the tombstone, he was a good man. Yeah, that's it. As simple as that might be, I just really hope my tombstone says he was a good man. Now, please stop standing on his nut. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is like this is one of my, the most fun interviews I've ever done in a long time. <laughs> oh, oh, great. I love we that. try. 
We try, we try. That's why it's called words and shit. Like we'll get we'll get into the words, we'll get heady, you know, we'll talk about some shit and then we'll just talk about some shit. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, you guys are building a really good thing here. And continue with that, please. Thank you. Thank you for spending this time with us. Absolutely. It's been a fantastic conversation and fantastic hearing your your work. Um, I know we have it displayed on the screen, uh, but for anybody that's listening to the podcast after uh, the live show, for anybody that's listening, could you please let them know where can people find you? Where can people find your work if they're interested in booking you? Like, where do people need to go? Um, yeah, just just the Asia Project. That's the Asia Project. If you go to theasianproject.com, it's a website that sells bowls and noodles. Like, that's not me. I just don't want y'all to go there and be like, oh, that's his hustle. No, that's not. Um, the Asia Project pretty much will lead you to everything. Like, you want to know my tour dates. You want to know who to get a hold of. Um, you want to know, uh, you want to watch videos. You want to buy merch. It's all on there. So um, go on there. It's the best way. Or just reach out to me on all the social media platforms. I'm usually more on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook, um, Twitter, not so much. Um, here and there, I will, but I'm really a lot. I'm I'm, I'm mostly on uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. So, yeah. perfect, perfect. I know. I was. I think that was like a wink, wink, Raquel. I was like. But I will wink, wink. Asia Sampson coming to Kingsborough College near you. (laughs) Well, you know, wait. I think I did do Kingsborough College. I'm gonna check my. I'm gonna check my files. I bet you I did in 2009 or something. Oh, familiar. Well, yeah. it's been a while then. You can still come yes, back. Yes, correct. Of course. There you go. There you go. Thank you so much for joining us, Asia. Thank it's been, you, guys. Again, phenomenal Thank conversation. You. Yes. Phenomenal work. Y'all, mm-hmm. show some love in the comments. Asia Samson, everybody. Peace, y'all. Yay. Thank you. Oh, man. What a show. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, what wow. an experience. It really is. I, I'm like, as you know, season two, we're like halfway through season two already, right? We are more than halfway through. We only have like five episodes left. <laughs> Stop. Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. Um, wow. It has gone by so fast. And I think, you know, as you and I keep developing, you know, this podcast, like I'm so blessed about um, the poets that come in. I love to hear their stories and you know, I feel like they're getting more and more comfortable with us. So I'm so glad that Isha is, you know, able to to just share his his life and his words and um, everything with us. So yeah, it's it's a great podcast. If, hey. For those who are here, you know, it's a great podcast. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Go <laughs> tell your friends. Yeah, no, this has been absolutely fantastic. Well, yeah. thank you to the audience who tuned in live. You guys were uh, fantastic. This is why we do these things live, because we believe that the audience is an integral part of, of poetry and performance, and you guys really make the show by interacting and a- asking your questions. So thank you to the audience for joining in uh, live when you can, and thank you to our production assistant, Dominique, for holding it down in the background, and Chris Condé for producing our theme music. Yeah, um, and basically, if you tell your friends, right, really just go ahead, follow us on IG, follow us on Twitter at Words and Shh, right? Uh, You can see that right here, right here, this little line. It tells you where to go follow us. Please, please follow us. um, Tell your friends, share our page and everything. And if this is your first time watching, or even if it isn't, um, you can always go back and catch past episodes on our YouTube channel, Words and Shit, our YouTube channel. Please uh, like and subscribe on the YouTube channel so we can get the word out. Or if you prefer to just listen 
because I'm a fan of podcasts. I like to put on a po- podcast and then get going in the in the kitchen or listen to podcasts while I'm shopping for groceries. So if you prefer podcasts, this show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight's broadcast will drop tomorrow morning, uh, and it is out there. We are current, so go and find it there if you want to catch up on past episodes or come back next week because what's happening next week, Raquel? Yeah, if you come back, same time, same place, you're going to be here for our next feature. We have on Thursday, April 15th, we have Claude Cardona from San Antonio, Texas. (laughs) So please, please come out. Um, You know, Claude is very brilliant, brilliant, brilliant poet. Um, So don't, don't miss it. And you'll mm-hmm. be here with our cute faces, with our amazing voices. You're falling in love with us. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see you next week. We got about five or six more episodes before we wrap up season two. That means you've got all of season one to go back and catch up on. And then uh, we'll be back in the summer for season three. But that's that's we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Wait till no. you find out about how we're wrapping up season two, y'all. Uh, that'll that'll be happening soon. Um, until then, hopefully we'll see you next week. Uh, until then, right, stay, stay safe, safe out there, y'all. Right, stay bye. safe, especially if you're in Florida. Wear yes. a mask. Yes, but Mickey Mouse will just definitely keep you safe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, Good y'all. Night. See you next week. <laughs>